The Knot is where you'll find vendors for every wedding. Floral to fawn over. Cakes you almost don't want to cut. Oh, it looks so good. DJs to drop it to. Venues worthy of your grid. Photographers that make every hour golden hour. Really, vendors for any vibe. With the help of fresh reviews and a few useful filters, you can find your vendors faster than you can say, I do. The Knot Vendor Marketplace. Find vendors for every wedding at thenot.com slash audio. MC Light here, and this time I'm using my voice to tell you about something I just started using. New Shea Moisture Deodorants, created for rich melanin skin. Shea Moisture Antiperspirant Deodorants even skin tone and protect against sweat and odor for 48 hours. Shea Moisture Whole Body Deodorants freshen all over all day with plant-based ingredients, no aluminum. Black dermatologist and gynecologist approved. I'm just saying, living in my rich melanin and protecting it too. The Eric Greitens Affair. You're on Deep Background. And as always, thanks for joining us. I'm Dave Helling with the Kansas City Star's editorial board. And joining us from Jefferson City is crack reporter Jason Hancock. Jason, good morning. Morning, Dave. Yeah, let's uh, say at the outset, as we talk about the developments in the Greitens case that uh, we're recording on February 28th. This story continues to move very, very quickly, each day bringing its own set of uh, stories and excitement. But uh, Jason is here to sort of sort through all of the things that we now know. And uh, there were developments Tuesday, Jason, in the case. We haven't had a chance to talk about uh, Eric Greitens for some time. Why don't you start from the beginning and then tell us where we stand today? Well, from the very beginning, we had an indictment. Well, I guess we could go back before the indictment, but maybe let's just start with the indictment, um, which came down last week that charged the governor with felony invasion of privacy. And those, those charges stemmed from a 2015 affair, um, which he's admitted to. He's admitted he cheated on his wife. What he's denied is that he uh, threatened the woman with whom he was having an affair with exposing a nude picture of her that he took while she was bound and blindfolded if she ever spoke about the affair. Um, those revelations came out last month. Um, there's been a lot of swirling about, you know, you know what it could mean for his administration. The circuit attorney, which is the local prosecutor in St. Louis, launched a criminal investigation. A grand jury was involved, and last week, felony indictment charges were brought down. Immediately kicked off a, uh, a house investigation. They formed a special committee this week. To investigate these allegations, that's the first step towards impeachment. It's not a guaranteed, uh, you know, the outcome is not guaranteed that it'll lead to impeachment. But the first step is to investigate. That committee can come down with articles of impeachment that they can send to the House and they vote if it's a constitutional majority. Um, off to the Senate for a for a trial among uh, before seven judges, and 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 now we're at that point we're in uncharted territory. Yeah, I think it's fair to say we're already in somewhat uncharted territory. Let's split this into two pieces, uh, Jason, for the audience. Let's talk about the legal case. Uh, the circuit attorney, Kim Gardner in St. Louis, has charged Greitens with a one count, one felony count of invasion of privacy. And the lawyers representing Greitens have pushed back against that charge rather aggressively, haven't they? They've, they filed a motion to dismiss, which I wrote a little bit about in today's n- newspaper. Tell us what they're arguing to try and get Greitens off the legal uh, hook that he now is on. 
It seems as though their main, the main thrust of their argument is not that a picture wasn't taken. There's been some, you know, question. The governor hasn't said flatly that he didn't take a picture. He said he didn't take a picture for blackmail. Um, but he's never been willing to, to, to quantify that and say flatly he didn't actually take a picture of this woman. Let, let me just interrupt you really quickly. Uh, a, the picture is going to be pretty critical in the legal case, one assumes. And B, we still don't know if that photograph actually exists, do we? Right. Yesterday, the um, circuit attorney, in a letter to um, the governor's attorneys, listed out all the evidence they had in, the, in their case. Um, 13 pieces that they were turning over as part of the discovery process. One of those pieces was photo of KS. And KS is the is the, the woman, the alleged victim, keeping her identity anonymous. Um, that set off a firestorm on social media that, oh my God, they have the picture. Turns out, at least according to Grant's attorneys, that was a headshot, uh, a professional headshot of the alleged victim, not the, the photo at the heart of this. Um, I believe I saw today that the prosecutor's office believes the photo still exists we don't know if they have that photo, um, and that's going to be, as you said, that's going to, I think, be key to to whether the governor, at least on this particular charge, faces any sort of criminal punishment. But but to your original question, the, the argument the governor's attorneys are trying to make is that she had no expectation of privacy, essentially, because it was a consensual sexual relationship, um, and that the statute that they is charged under, invasion of privacy, was designed to prosecute peeping toms, um, not two people engaged in a consensual sexual relationship. Yeah. Um, I think most sort of lay uh, observers would uh, consider the original indictment and then the motion to dismiss as sort of legal, legal mumbo-jumbo, Jason. But in this case, I've argued that the, the, the motion to dismiss this case is really the whole ballgame because if the court uh, lets the criminal case proceed— one assumes that would then, at least at some level, delay what the legislature is doing, and it puts the governor in enormous legal jeopardy, because he really can't. If he pleads it out, then he, the, the, uh, you know, if he admits to doing something, even a misdemeanor, that really hurts him in Jefferson City. One would think, uh, and and he also risks going to jail. I mean, there, you know, this is a real crime with real penalties. So this debate over whether the law applies or not, uh, in terms of the legal case anyway, seems to be extraordinarily important. That's exactly right. And and it's not, you know, the, the investigation continues. The grand jury continues to work. Um, and so this may not be the only indictment that he faces. You know, that's been floated out there that there could be other charges. We don't know what that might be. Will this involve other women? Will it involve other things that involve... Uh, the, the the initial woman, the alleged victim in the in the first indictment, will it stretch out to other things that might be within the jurisdiction of the circuit attorney? But it really is a a perilous situation for the governor, especially now that the House has taken notice, launched its investigation. We reported this morning, just actually right before I came on this podcast um, Wednesday morning, the governor has a registered lobbyist now, not a government employee that works for his office, but a lobbyist. Uh, his name's Aaron Baker. He works for GOP political consultant Jeff Rose consulting firm. And he registered this morning to represent the Eric Greitens, presumably to try to fend off some of the momentum that's building behind this investigation and the potential for impeachment. Yeah. And you do get the sense, do you not, that the lawyers uh, uh, from St. Louis 
are part of an extraordinarily aggressive pushback against these allegations. You don't see the governor pulling back and saying, let's let the court process work and, you know, let's uh, and, and frankly, the governor and the people around him. You know, normally you would expect that they would sort of, you know, go silent or let the process continue. But you don't get that sense at all. They're sending out press releases from the law firm. They, they've they hired a, a, a public relations firm. They've now, as you've reported, hired a lobbyist. It doesn't seem as if they're, you know, they're taking the low profile approach to these charges. No, and they've definitely gone after the prosecutor. I mean, press releases. Yes. There's sort of three camps right now within the Republican Party. There are those that are saying he should go. He needs to be, he needs to resign or face impeachment. There are those that say, look, the process needs to play out, both the grand jury process and the House investigation. And that's sort of where Josh Hawley falls, the attorney general and um, sort of front runner for U.S. Senate in Missouri. And then there's the governor and his loyalists, which is not a big group, but it, uh, it does include the, the actual state party apparatus, which are attacking the prosecutor, saying that she's a liberal hack, that are pushing out these stories in Breitbart and other uh, publications that are trying to attack the process as just a political witch hunt. Um, he's definitely not laying low, and he's definitely not trying to... I mean, they, will, they did say they will cooperate with the House investigation, whatever that ends up looking like, but they are definitely taking a more adversarial approach to this. Yeah. So let's move over to the politics of it then and the House and the process going forward on that side of the ledger. Um, is Will the House committee, which was established this week, and which, by the way, still hasn't become official until the House approves the resolution creating it, will it act, in your view, Jason, in a semi-judicial fashion? I mean, they're allowed to issue subpoenas, they'll have staff, they can take testimony under oath. Or is it more of a political mechanism, quite apart from the legal problems that he faces in St. Louis? I I mean, impeachment is a political issue, but I think that the committee itself, especially Representative Jay Barnes, is taking this matter very seriously, and they want to handle it in a way that mirrors a, a you know, a judicial process. You know, I've, I've heard talk that they want to hire a court reporter to ensure that there are transcripts. You know, they have the power to hire private investigators. They can close the session in order to um, question witnesses to protect their identities. I'm not sure exactly how that will work in the setting of, a, of the Missouri Capitol, but and, and that is and that is uh, extrajudicial. I mean, typically in almost every case in a courtroom, you you hear from the witnesses in a public setting. So if the if the committee closes its uh, testimony or, or and or uh, expurgates its transcripts and other things, that would be that that's not what a court would do. No, that's absolutely. It's, it's, it is a sort of a this strange combination because obviously legislative committees, you know, we have an ethics process in the House and Senate. If there's a sexual harassment complaint or just an ethical complaint against a lawmaker or staffer, they have a right to some sort of privacy. And so those sessions can be closed um, in order to, to discuss those. It's almost considered like a personnel matter. And it seems like the two models are sort of being merged. And so we'll just have to see how this plays out as it, as it moves forward. Again, as we keep saying, and we keep going back to it, we are in uncharted water in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. I was told that when Judy Moriarty was impeached in the 90s, all the House proceedings were open to the public. But then again, Judy Moriarty was not involved in any sort of 
um, crime that had a victim that would had a presumption of an anonymity uh, early in the process. So right, right. Does the committee, does the House committee, wait for the legal process to play itself out, Jason, or does it proceed on a parallel track? They only, according to the resolution that was filed yesterday, which actually creates the committee and and starts the investigation, they have forty days to do their investigation file a report and send it to the House, the the full body of the House, and make a recommendation. And whether that's a recommendation to do nothing, to impeach, they could censure. There are a lot of different options, but it lays out a 40-day timeline, which is pretty aggressive. They could come back in and amend that. They could ask for extensions. But you also have to remember that the legislature adjourns constitutionally in the middle of May. If they don't finish their work, they'd have to come back in special session, which takes either three-fourths majorities to call themselves back in, or the governor has to call them back in. And I can't see a world in which Eric Greitens calls a special session to allow them to discuss impeachment. <laughs> yes. Um, but do you think uh, the committee will limit itself just to these allegations in the trial court, or will it be able to uh, broaden its scope if it needs to? But Jay Barnes, the, the chairman of this committee, was pretty clear that the focus of the committee at this point is the indictment and circumstances surrounding the indictment. Does that mean maybe looking at whether government resources were used in a cover-up? Um, it's possible. You know, is could it could it go beyond that? I don't think it'll delve into things that we've sort of been hearing about, like dark money or the acquisition right. of his charity donor list, unless there are future indictments and then you know, all bets are off. But as far as this particular charge goes, I think the hope amongst the committee is to focus really heavily on the charge at hand, whether he committed a felony and maybe potentially whether there was some sort of abuse of power to keep that story from coming out. Um, But I can't see it wandering too far from that original purpose, at least not unless some other charges or another shoe drops. Yeah. Is it possible for the legislature to do anything while this is unresolved? I mean, they're because I think the short answer may be no. <laughs> I think that they have to try. Um, they have to pass a budget. That's the only thing that they're constitutionally required to do is pass a budget. If they don't get that done, they'd have to call themselves in a special session to do that. So, and you know, they're they're moving right along. It's it's difficult for the public to know because this, the oxygen is just sucked out of the room by this right. indictment right. and the governor's travails. But you know, they're going to continue to try. I mean, it's let's be honest. The Senate wasn't humming along smoothly before this. Um, this is a big distraction. It's going to suck up a lot of attention. It's going to suck up a lot of energy. I think, I mean, the speaker was trying to, to put a positive spin on it, that they're going to continue to do the work that they were sent here to do while this sort of plays itself out. But I mean, to say that it's not a distraction and it won't at least in some way impair their ability to move forward would just be naive. Yeah, yeah. And it also, but it also, I mean, it's undeniable that the governor's influence is virtually zero now, isn't it? I mean, he, he, he can play virtually no role in any of these policy decisions while this is still under consideration. Yeah, I mean, I think it's sort of telling that he hired a lobbyist because he does have people on his staff whose job it is to, to advocate for him, for his office, and for his agenda. Maybe they're trying to sort of bifurcate that and, and keep them separate, but you're right, he didn't have a ton of of influence amongst legislators before all this. You know, he had burned a lot of bridges. Um, the indictment certainly damaged him even further. You know, if, if he has a, <clears throat> if he, he's not going to be welcomed into a lot of legislative offices. There's not <laughs> going to be a lot of people willing to have him come in their district and throw his arm around them. 
And if the legal trial, if, if, if the prosecution of him in the St. Louis court drags out for months into the fall election, it could be that we see a, um, a, a damage done to the Republican Party as a whole as they enter into a competitive U.S. Senate race yeah. and legislative races all over the state. Again, that's why I suggested that that the motion to dismiss in a legal sense is so important, because you can imagine a, a scenario, can't you, Jason, where the judge agrees with that motion or dismisses the case. And then at that point, the whole talk of impeachment, again, absent any other charges or any other allegations, the whole talk of impeachment would presumably fizzle if the case is thrown out. That's why, again, I think it's just such a linchpin to all of the things that are going on now. I think that's valid. I really do. I, you know, the criminal prosecution is going to drive a lot of this story. If the case is thrown out, if there are other indictments, if, if like I said, if another shoe drops, you know, the, 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 the calculus of all this changes dramatically. Right now, we're just sort of, you know, we're at the hands of the grand jury and the St. Louis City Circuit Attorney. So. Some people have been calling for his resignation, Greitens' resignation, of course, in the face of of uh, these charges and the impeachment uh, effort that may be getting underway. Um, and several newspapers have done that. We, we wrote something different, Jason. We said, look, uh, you know, this is bad um, and it will be a distraction, but maybe the governor should consider just temporarily stepping aside, which he's allowed to do under the Constitution, uh, and then letting this play out and then come back if he's found not guilty or somehow the, the matter is dropped. That, that may be an editorial room fantasy, though, right? Because if he were to even temporarily step aside, the political reality is people would get used to him not being the governor and impeachment might be more likely rather than less. Do you have any sense of that at all? I mean, stepping aside just isn't in this governor's character. It's not something yeah, that yeah. I think he would ever consider. And, and there's while they're both Republicans, there are key political and policy differences between Governor Greitens and Lieutenant Governor Parsons that I think would make him wary of stepping aside and handing power to... Even even temporarily. Right, right. Although it is interesting, if he is impeached in the House, he's obviously, he's not removed from office. It goes to the Senate where there's a trial among uh, before seven judges that the Senate chooses. During that trial, he is governor, but he loses the, uh, the, he loses the powers of the office until he's either acquitted or removed. So there could be a time if the House votes to impeach where Parsons, Lieutenant Governor Mike Parsons, is acting governor while the Senate figures out, uh, you know, how to move you know, forward to in their part of this. So. Is the uh, I don't know the answer to this question, but I uh, my assumption is that if it goes to the Senate, the seven judges are appointed. Their decision is final, right? It doesn't have to be ratified by the full Senate. Uh, th- that would suggest that, that the impeachment process on the House side would have to be done by mid-May, but the judges could sit all summer if, if it comes to that. And that's a good question. And I, I was talking about that with someone today. We're not really sure, you know, theoretically that's right. If the Senate does its job, appoints the judges, and then adjourns for the year, I think theoretically those judges could continue their trial and, and render their verdict whenever they, you know, find sufficient evidence Come to either acquit it. or prosecute. 
Were you surprised, uh, again, we're talking with Jason Hancock with the Kansas City Star in Jefferson City. Thanks so much again, Jason, for being with us. Were you surprised that the House moved so quickly to set up this committee and begin the impeachment machinery? Doesn't that reflect how little actual support he has in the legislature? Somewhat. I think it also sort of reflects the mood of the House and that, you know, a lot of them said from the beginning, you know, let's let the legal process play out. And if, um, you know, if these allegations are proven true, then he should resign. That was sort of like a a, a mantra that a lot of people put forth when the charges first emerged. When the indictment came out, I think it forced the hand of House leadership that they had to do something. They had to begin the process to sort of live up to this idea that, you know, this was not, you know, a, a prosecutor bringing charges. This was a grand jury who found enough evidence to bring charges, and now the legal process plays out, but the legislature has a role, and I think the House leadership sees that there is an appetite for them to at least, at the very least, begin the process of sussing this out to see if the governor can continue to function. Right. Although, um, you know, I, I get all that. I, it just surprised me that they did it within days. I mean, typically you would see a legislature that firmly has a governor's back to try and stall a little bit or, you know, make statements about letting the due process happen and innocent until proven guilty, all of that. But the fact that they moved, you know, the indictments were last Thursday and now by Tuesday they've, you know, introduced the resolution. The members have been appointed. That suggests that he just doesn't have a lot of political support in either house. Am I wrong? No, I think that's that's valid. I mean, like, this is a guy that burned a lot of bridges, and he came in calling, you know, everyone a corrupt career politician. And the hardest time to make friends is when you need them. And so, as we've seen, there's just not been a lot of people stepping up to defend Governor Greitens during his uh, during his trials and tribulations the last month. All right, a couple of final questions, uh, Jason. Do we know at all how Eric Greitens is handling all of this? We haven't seen him, uh, at least around the Capitol, since this <laughs> indictment came down. I mean, he was charged and booked and arraigned. His mugshot was taken. I can't believe that that would be a pleasant experience, regardless of the circumstances. But yeah, we have not. I mean, I don't. He had uh, some public events with uh, victims of a tornado um, earlier this week, and he. But I, you know, I have personally not seen him around the Capitol much. We're not hearing a lot from him. We're hearing from, obviously, his law firm and from uh, spokesmen that were hired by his law firm. Right. I mean, he's really letting his surrogates do the arguing for him, is he not? Right, right. And and maybe that's wise. I mean, it's he wasn't the most media-friendly and accessible governor before all this. And there's really only one question anybody's going to ask when they sit down with him, which is, did you take that picture? And he's just refused flatly to specify yes or no. And I don't know what would be the benefit of him. If you're talking about, you know, from a public relations standpoint, enduring that question over and over again. So, yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, we're all we're going to know if he took the picture eventually. Assuming it goes to trial, we will know the answer. Presumably that I mean, the the prosecutor said today, I'm just looking at we have Brian Lowry, who's our political reporters in St. Louis today, that the prosecutor said essentially they don't have the picture, but they believe the picture exists and they're going to get the picture. If that's true, uh, as you've made it clear, this is. This is the crux of the suit, right? That they have this picture. I mean, essentially, it's his word against hers, um, unless that picture pops up. I'm I'm not an attorney, and maybe my my opinion is not nearly as nuanced as I'm sure a legal expert right. would be. But that seems to be, at least from my perspective, a big piece of this. So. 
yeah, I'm I'm not an attorney either, but it do, you know I've been around politics long enough to I think understand that if this case goes to trial, uh, it, it, we will hear things that Governor Eric Greitens doesn't want us to hear. Yeah, and you know a lot of people point back to the Ferguson grand jury when there was not charges brought against the officer who um, shot and killed Michael Brown. The indictment was not brought by the grand jury, but the prosecutor then released all the transcripts, all the evidence, and made them public. There are people who think, you know, that could be just as damaging as all of this, you know, because if they started pulling strings or pulling thread on other ideas, and maybe it wasn't enough to bring charges, but it was enough to be, to prove politically damaging and embarrassing. Yeah. Final question. Give us some sense of the mood of Jefferson City for those of us who have not been down there and... You're exactly right. We're in in uncharted waters. Although, you know, the Speaker of the House, uh, you know, Bob Griffin, eventually went to prison for you know scandalous acts during his term. The John Deal story, which you broke, he 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 had to. It, it, you know, Jefferson City is not <laughs> unfamiliar with scandal and uh, the politics that surround uh, it. Um, is this different? Is it you know? Is is the governor's fate on everyone's tongue in a way that you know is not would not have been the case in other uh, uh, other uh, uh, stories? Or is it just business as usual? Well, it's definitely not business as usual. I think they're trying to put on the sheen of business as usual. You know, the House is passing bills as I'm sitting here right now, and um, the Senate's debating. You know, theoretically things are 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 very normal. Nothing to see here, right? But the rumors run wild, you know, is the FBI looking into this? Is the governor, you know, facing another indictment? Is the grand jury interviewing so-and-so? Rumors are running wild. Are there other women? Are there other women? I mean, that's a very common rumor you hear. And, you know, the other thing that differentiates this, at least in my experience, and granted, I've only been around since since 2011. It seems like a thousand years at this point, but it's only been since (laughs) 2011. You know, when John Deal, when that scandal broke, that was the last week of session. We endured a week of headaches and turmoil and everything was chaotic and then it was over. This happened in January. We have the whole session for people to, to, to gossip, for charges to come down, for new information to come out. You know, we are not even at the midway point of this session and well, this is and just going to play the, out. The other thing with John, right? And the other thing with John Deal, of course, Jason, is that story broke, and really, forty-eight hours later, it was for all practical purposes over. I mean, he had resigned; he'd walked away. He, he didn't mount much of a defense at all. He just admitted his wrongdoing and then left. Um, this, on the other hand, and again, Bob Griffin, I think, is is a, a good example could theoretically go on for months. I mean, they were, you know, the the, the prosecutors in St. Louis and Greitens attorneys were arguing about trial dates earlier uh, this week. And, you know, a trial date tentatively, I think, was set for May 14th. But there's some indication it could go into the fall, you know, the trial. So it, it it's not only, uh, you know, the, the deal thing was just over quickly. This could go on for months, maybe occupy the entire year. Yeah, I mean, the prosecutor does not want a May court date. That's the governor's legal team. They are talking about August, September. I talked to a criminal defense attorney yesterday who said, you know, on a case like this, this this, this might not go to trial till October, November, which is a nightmare for Republicans if this thing stretches all the way to Election Day. Yeah, but, I mean, this could be what we're talking about for, for the foreseeable future because unlike John Deal, unlike others, and this was a New York Times reporter who made this point on Twitter, 
Greitens does not have loyalty to the Republican Party. So appealing Correct. to him to step down for the good of the party is not going to cut it. And I think to him, his reputation is on the line. I think future aspirations for the White House have already been dashed. But, you know, surviving this, at least maybe he can come out the other side with some scrap of a reputation. Yeah, but but don't let, but let's not let that point light. Does, do you sense, do we sense uh, uh, that Eric Greitens wants to spend, in essence, the next three years of his life, you know, even if he survives this, being essentially a non-entity in his party, a non-entity in government to some degree, and certainly his ambitions have been dashed. I mean, that's the other thing that I find fascinating. You know, why would he go through this if if the whole point is to change government or do other things? And that opportunity seems very, very remote at this point. I mean, that's the way I would look at things. You know, if I was using it as a springboard for higher office, that's done. And if I'm using it to really do some critical things that I believe are important, that's going to be a big ask. But, you know, this is a guy who's who's who wrote a book called Resilience. His whole mantra is just sort of surviving through turmoil and pain. And so I just it, it strikes me as highly unlikely that he would ever quit without, I mean, it would just take a lot to force this guy out. So short of impeachment or, you know, getting perp walked into a jail cell, I just don't see him going off the political scene anytime soon. All right. Jason Hancock in Jefferson City. What an astonishing story. And as we suggested at the top of the podcast, it changes almost hourly. So stay uh, close to KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star for the best coverage in the state of this unfolding scandal. Jason, thanks for joining us. Thank you. From Jeff City. You bet. I'm Dave Helling of the Star's editorial board. You've been on Deep Background.